0: Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number one hundred and thirty-one. It was recorded on Sunday, November third, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, and it is beautiful in Brooklyn right now. It's cool and it's crisp and it's sunny and it's wonderful. I had a really great conversation with my guest. Her name is Michaela Martello. She is an artist. And I found out about her through Max. Max Trzansky was on this podcast just two two episodes back, yeah. So you should go check that out. But he's a wonderful curator of artists as he works on his Artist Portrait Project. So I love to go through and see who's doing amazing things and try to get them on this podcast. So I was lucky to have Wendy on here. Uh, Lucky that she invited me into her home and into her home studio, which, I don't know, it's weird. It just gave me this amazing feeling to be sitting amongst just wall-to-wall art, wall-to-wall to -to -to ceiling-to-floor, literally covered in her amazing artwork. So I'll put some of those pictures in my like Insta stories and stuff like that if you want to check it out. But you really need to check the show notes for this episode so that you can go to her website and you can see all the amazing work that she's done. Uh, she was born in Italy, and you know, obviously we'll get into all this stuff, but she was born in Italy, and she's a Buddhist, and her artwork is heavily influenced by Buddhism and Eastern culture and feminism, and she does just really beautiful, amazing stuff. So it's really great to, to share this conversation with her and to spend some time with her today. So again, go to the show notes, check her stuff out. Also in the show notes is my Patreon link. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vedder. That's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly, you know, $1, $5, $5, $5,000, and that will go to keeping these episodes coming. I know they've been a bit slow. Folks, I've been so, so busy with work lately. But uh, I've got a bunch coming. I actually just recorded a second one tonight with Wendy Perlman. So I got a lot of cool stuff coming. All right. Enjoy this one, folks. This is Michaela Martello. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, this is a real pleasure. I know we were trying to set it up. I'm sorry about your cat. Um, and thank you for letting me into your amazing uh, studio space and your home. It's really beautiful.
1: Thank you, team, And yes, I'm sorry too for my cats. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting process to see how your animals are so close to to you to us, but you realize that only when they're all of a sudden gone but yeah now it's uh, now we are here, and uh, I'm very happy that you came and I'm very happy to talk with you thank you this is your cat behind you yes. I'm assuming. yes, exactly. Her yeah. name was Pipa, and I was painting her portrait uh, out of a picture that I took over a few days before we diagnosed they diagnosed her again with the with the disease and that painting I started just the day before she she left <laughs> and yeah. so now I will finish it but I need some time because it's it's hard now just to look at her face I've seen some of your work
0: so so if, if I know people aren't seeing this maybe I'll put a picture up on like an insta story or something but the material material that you're using is is like a canvas material I've seen you do this before, like you have a piece on like army canvas, is there a particular reason why you would use a type of canvas or is it just like, that's the space you had?
1: Um, well, sometimes my work is inspired by the material that I'm using. Mm, okay. I, it's, I know it's strange, but no. I do have a lot of ideas and inspirations. Most of that comes from symbols from all over of the universe, and then I find a a particular fabric and all of a sudden I see all this symbol taking shape, taking shape because of that fabric is inspiring me to, you know, to give lives to these uh, ideas that I have in my head. And of course that happened with uh, this incredible vintage uh, US army fabric and, uh, um, they are, I don't know if it's because they carry a lot of memories. Of course, that's that's a strong vibration. And when I started to paint on this uh, military canvas, I started to uh, to draw and paint mostly female subjects. Mm. And then recently I found out that, I mean, not that I recently I found out, we all know, but it's just that I wasn't really aware of the fact that uh, in war, mostly the feminine principle is absent. and um, and there's this need of you know finding a shelter, finding uh, a hug that can console you that usually comes from the mother. So then all of a sudden, I thought, that's why I keep in- painting these uh, females subjects with this strong uh, feminine uh, presence because of trying to fill the void Mm. that probably this fabric carries through all these memories related to war. That's okay. That's amazing.
0: And I want people to, if if folks are listening to this, I think that they should look at your website because obviously this is all audio, but I think they should look at your website and I'll reference specific pieces as much as possible. And you can use that as like a companion piece while you're listening to us. Because I took a bunch of screenshots of work from from your website and that's exactly the one that I was referencing. So uh, you can look at uh, the title of this piece is Inner Authority and it is U.S. Army Canvas, exactly as you said, and it is a woman and her vulva, right? Mm-hmm. So it's amazing because when I was interpreting it, it was exactly what you just said. I thought, wow, like this is, wow. um, you know, war is seen as like a masculine mm-hmm. sphere but also something that's very destructive um, and if you're looking at a woman's reproduction system, it's almost like the opposite of something. It's something that uh, is producing life. I think that's amazing. I, I wanted to ask you this too, and I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll, I'll circle back to, to sort of your beginnings, but when somebody looks at one of your pieces, do you prefer that they understand your meaning and symbolism or do you prefer that they interpret it in their own way?
1: Well, I would prefer that they all have the reaction that you have. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Thank. You. I mean, you you just said a perfect statement. That would be great, mm. especially regarding this kind of work on the uh, military vintage uh, fabric because it's um, it, it kind of becomes almost. Um, a compassionate experience and i would love that to happen for not just for me but for everybody without explaining but it's also very interesting to see uh, how each one of us react mm. according to our history to a piece of art so i d- i don't want to create something that is uh, just dictated by uh, my Interpretation; it has to be completely free. I like that. Me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I also
0: think you know, you can go, you could go so many places with this. And again, folks, if you're listening, it's it's the piece's inner authority. But I think like you know, something like this is going to make some people feel awkward. Some people feel squeamish. Like here I am as a male talking to you as a as a woman. Like some people might be like, ah, like I don't want to talk about women's reproductive systems and women's genitalia. But even like. Um, I don't know if you look especially here in the states at the way we look at uh pleasure and intimacy and even the way that people maybe this is going too far, but the way that people consume that through like pornography, it's often about uh like the male and the placement of the male and the male pleasure and this is just like simply a woman and potentially it could be something about pleasure at least on like the placement of her hand and everything like that so I just think it's really cool that uh by looking at this, you can go in so many different directions as well.
1: Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. are
0: massively talented. This is really, really cool.
1: Thank you so much. It's um, And that, of course, also the pleasure oh. elements, it's important mm-hmm. in that painting because that's again, was something... I don't know, I was imagining that probably in a very... Um, you know, when we try to find a shelter or someone to console us and there's no one around... In a war situation, you console yourself. Yeah. So you give pleasure to yourself. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, and not necessarily has to be related with something uh, like vulgar or um, heavy. It's really natural. It's just uh, nature, let's say. And that's kind of lacking during war from what I heard uh, from, you know, my... Parents, uh, generation, people who just, you know, left uh, uh, very heavy memories after Second World War. So it's, a, it's just a way of trying to uh, reconnect us to our inner authority, mm-hmm. in that sense, regardless sex and, and, um, um, and you know, the fact that it could be easily judged. yeah. I
0: think that's that's really cool. and i'm I'm, I'm
1: happy that <laughs> I interpreted that correctly. oh, I'm very happy really. it's a, it's a very nice surprise. thank you, oh, cool. Thank, oh, you're thank you you're welcome. Thank you
0: now, I, like many amazing artists that I've discovered, I've discovered through Max Max Rozanski. Uh,
1: yes, yes, yes. so it, people
0: should go back a couple episodes and listen to him. Uh, I
1: did oh, cool. <laughs>
0: Uh, to me, like he's an amazing through his portrait series where he's taking pictures of artists in their studios. He's an amazing curator of, of you know talent and art, and that's how I've been able to find out about so many people. Uh, originally, so you were born in Italy. I was born in Italy. I was born in Toscana. Okay. Yeah. So my I haven't yet been to Italy. I will get there. Mm. But if I'm sort of predicting what your exposure to artwork would be there, I would think it would be a lot of classical art, a lot of religious uh, Christian-based art. Uh, what was your early exposure in your life to the art that uh, I guess you were drawn to?
1: I was lucky enough to be, um, to be raised by two parents that were um, not, I would say, Catholic. So there was no brainwashed. There mm. was n- they didn't force me into any di- direction. And uh, um, and then growing up, I just uh, naturally f- followed my inclination. Can you say inclination? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And that was, um, you know, let's say, about religion was towards uh, Tibetan Buddhism. After, you know, many uh, attempts on finding something that... I really felt was speaking to me. Then finally I, I felt, uh, that Tibetan Buddhism was good for me. And at the same time, I was, um, loving the words of symbols mm. in this particular religion or philosophy. And also in, in any kind of, uh, depiction that has symbols. So, um, I, I kind of bridge them together and, uh, and I was very drawn by the work of Giotto since I was very little. I have no idea why. It, was, it, just, felt, uh, it just felt natural for me. And there was something with the fresco that Giotto did that for me was very similar to the fresco that I started to see in the books uh, related to uh, the cave of the, mas- of the masters mm. in ancient Tibet. That's amazing. And, and 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 actually, the the time is uh, it's kind of similar. We're talking about uh, four hundred. Come I think it's it's five hundred, which is four hundred. Uh, I'm sorry. I, no, five, that's okay. Five century, I think. That's okay. A, okay. So then,
0: how like how were you exposed to Tibetan Buddhism and, and Tibetan artwork?
1: Did did you go there? Was it were you reading? No, no, absolutely not. I think it's just a karmic connection because mm. that's why I'm saying. For me, it was I was lucky because there was no any kind of uh, uh, forcing me to read or to see something in in my upbringing with my family, with my parents. So it was very natural. It kind of manifested spontaneously that I um, that I felt attracted by that kind of culture. Okay. But also since I believe in reincarnation I'm sure that uh, there's a strong karmic connection. Ah, so something related to my past life, so It's the same for me that I the reason that I'm here in New York. I have no idea but since I was 3 years old my mother told me that I that I kept saying I want to go to New York.
0: So that's interesting. Like I I'm at a like with religion and with afterlife and spirituality, I'm stuck in this area where I'm like I don't know. (laughs) And it's really cool to actually to have you on because right now my partner's going through, she's doing a yoga teacher training program. Mm -hmm. Um, Where? uh, They have a studio in Williamsburg, they also have one in Flatiron.
1: But what's the name of the yoga? It's,
0: uh, oh my God, Uh, Vinyasa Yoga. Okay, cool. Okay, (laughs) so uh, she'll practice on me as a student, which is great. (laughs) That's perfect, yes. And I get to meditate and... um, I can't remember the words in Sanskrit, but you have to sort of pick something that you're working on. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking, uh, uh, I picked uh, and she picked as well, like nonviolence uh, against yourself and others. Mm-hmm. And for me that manifests itself through through language because I curse a lot. Mm-hmm. If I feel like somebody's uh, coming at me or has, has wronged me, I try to like almost one-up them, right? Like I'll hurt you before you hurt me. So I'm like really working on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that while I was looking through your artwork Um, and maybe unrelated to your artwork, but you mentioned the idea of reincarnation. Um, do you ever, maybe this is weird to think, but like, do you ever have an inclination in your life of a past life? Like, do you ever, like I've heard of people say like, I've got a deja vu feeling or you, like you mentioned your cat, like, do you feel a certain affinity to a type of animal or or a different type of being?
1: Yes, 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 uh, 100%. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 but I think we all do. Mm. It's just that sometimes we don't allow, allow ourselves to open up to this kind of experience, feelings, because we can we cannot prove it scientifically. Ah. But it, once you just open up, you don't ask yourself many questions, right or wrong, it's, you just let it up and let it flow within your energy, your energy field, and it feels completely fine. It's, I mean, there's no harm in that.
0: Oh, I like that. <laughs> so you, okay, you you come to New York, mm-hmm. right? At, w- at what age did you come to New York,
1: that's oh, okay to ask? the first time I was 19 years old.
0: Mm, okay. And did you fall in love with the city?
1: Y- well, I was already in love. I was already okay. madly in love <laughs> with the city. So when I arrived, actually it was, not that it was a delusion because it, it was great, but I was so much in love since I was a child that it was okay. It was like, yes, here mm. I am. That's the city that I love and... Uh, it was almost not surprised that I was so um, comfortable in New York because it felt like home. I always felt like this is home, not my home it's mm. home, but here. Got you. I, I,
0: I'm so jealous <laughs> of artists in New York City. I love reading about like the 70s and uh, uh, like Patti Smith, right? Mm, yeah. And the bands like Television, uh, the 80s and the the mags and reading about like Basquiat, and it's it was very do it yourself. It's very DIY, very almost like almost like anarchy, almost like squatters and and cheap spaces. But then juxtaposed with like the burnt out New York and crime and like hepatitis and like hard drugs and things like that. But I don't know why when I read about these things I get uh, a romantic feeling. And also like I was thinking just walking here because you mentioned like my place is the Green Door. And I remember uh, I remember, I was thinking as I walked here like, man, like nobody knows what's in there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've been here in this, this amazing art space mm-hmm. and you can walk past your door a million times and never know that there's this like amazing space packed into a tight space. And I think about that here in New York and also when I'm in Southeast Asia because there's so many alleyways and things mm-hmm. are built up. And I don't know, it, it all, it, it gives me a feeling that it, it, I guess it's like a romantic feeling about it all but I wonder now, in twenty nineteen, we're about to be in twenty twenty, where you see artist spaces getting squeezed out by by rents and things like that. Uh, how difficult is it to be an artist in New York now and to to not have to struggle?
1: I think it was difficult also in those beautiful times that you mm. described, like Paris meet Bastia. It was really it was different because it was more raw and um and there were so many things that uh sorry that were not allowed and now i um i mean i'm talking about um art, the art scene it was like now this is the time of minimalist now is the time of figurative now is the time of uh, mo- modernism now everything is uh, the the time of it's for everything now so uh, th- That's, I think that's easier in a way, but it's also, um, you know, we are also kind of uh, polluted by the media factor Mm -hmm. and addicted. And and I am one of these (laughs) addicted artists by the media factor. Um, So I think that is always difficult, but at the same time, it's a reflection of the, the time we are living in. So it's, we are always adjust to mm. whatever is happening around us. Human beings are, are incredible in adjusting to the circumstances and also we are also we, we kind of tend to be romantic thinking about the past or what could be the future but at the same time we are adjusting on what's around us on on a social level, on a political level, on a spiritual level, on an artistic level. so, I don't know if I'm answering, but I think in a way it's it's difficult. It was difficult. It was it was easy. It's easy.
0: Yeah, that that does make sense to me, and I think that's sort of the the essence of a New Yorker is that yeah, you adapt and you survive and you push yes. on despite whatever. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, yes. I, I wish I was living that kind of moment. Uh, let's say in the seventies, it was kind of dark, but it was very dark also in Italy. Um, but at the same time, I, for instance, I think I'm super lucky to be here now because of what's happening with the women, mm. and that's that's really different compared to any other era. In so, in
0: in regards to um, like the more the the prominence of women's art now.
1: No, um, I don't know if I'm able to explain this, but it's like
0: we'll work together here. Yeah, we'll figure okay.
1: it out. <laughs> the, I, would, I, I mean, I wish I could do it in Italian, but it's, uh, it, it's about how now we are able to express our intimacy okay. with a certain level of strength and uh, confidence and being more centered because it's not that we need to fight as much as we needed to fight. Um, okay, we do need to fight, but now uh, we are taken more seriously. Now people believe to us. I understand, yeah. And it's really different now. It's really happening. It's it's something very subliminal, and, and but it, it I, if I feels like that is getting into the subconscious level of the universe. This yeah, I think that change that it's little but it's
0: extremely important. When when we read about revolutions throughout history, I think that people don't always know when they're in the midst of a revolution, mm-hmm. and we are in a, essentially like a revolution of thought yeah. right now. Yes, um, and in people's consciousness, is it, things are definitely changing. Um, yes, and maybe in a hundred years, people will read about this time. And yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: yes, I, uh, yeah, and, and that's uh, why I feel I'm lucky to be here now for this.
0: For sure, and we're all lucky to like have. Uh, Again, like people need to go to the website and check out. Like we're lucky to have your art. Like just looking around right now, like I just think I would be so at peace in in this space. It's so amazing. Like I wish people could see this. Oh,
1: thank you. But everything,
0: (laughs) I'm I'm recognizing um, your pieces from your website, so people Mm -hmm. can definitely see them all. Um, But on that point, I'm going to talk about or or ask you about some of the symbolism because Mm -hmm. um, I'll talk about this one. So the woods. And you you mentioned um, reincarnation, mm-hmm. you mentioned um, like the feminine sphere. And so the woods is a woman's body, mm-hmm. like her, her torso mostly, and there are rabbits mm-hmm. and there are plants. Mm-hmm. And when I look at this, I almost think that she is like Mother Earth um, and there are various living things living within her uh but i wonder in addition to to your spirituality uh sort of this animism theme that i'm seeing a lot uh and i'm wondering uh i guess why uh you have animals as a as a symbol so often in your artwork
1: it's always been like that um i don't know how to explain this exactly because okay. it's even me I, I surprise myself when i when i t- Sometimes I try to avoid to have animals, but it's stronger than me, and they just want to be uh, in my in my artwork um, it's it's such a <clears throat> a delicate uh, presence at the same time very instinctual and for me probably it's a symbol that represents uh, how to be connected with uh, the uh, the side of us that it's more um, reptilian, oh. right? the one that reacts without thinking, and and we kind of tend to lose that sides of our brain, because we 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 every uh, the energy kind of in in us, in human being tends to rise up to the brain, mm. and animals keep it down to the heart, to the belly. It's more like they they just. They feel something, but they don't feel it with their brain. they feel it with their senses and uh, and we do have that kind of uh, part it's it's very ancient it's the most uh, ancient size of our brain, and it's called the rep- reptilian brain yeah so for me, that presence of the animals in my work it represent it's like symbolize the instinct the instinct that's
0: it, really cool it's like the the um, Leftover genetic material from like our past evolution, almost like when we kind of, we were yeah. aquatic animals, and now we've I mean, we are still we like to consider ourselves these like civilized humans, but we're just, biologically we are we are animals, we're just a different form of evolution.
1: Yes, it's true, but I I also think that uh, animals should reincarnate in humans. It's not that I mean, <laughs> because that's, that's when you get the chance to really evolve. If you are an animal, you you, you cannot do many things that us as human being can do. So I think that all animals should get a chance to reincarnate in human beings in order to, you know, to activate the brain. But not, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's almost impossible to keep this, the right balance. But it's, uh, for instance, I really hope that my cat will reincarnate in a human being. Mm. I never wish for her to uh, to be again an, an animal because she she won't have the chance to, she won't have the chance for evolution, for the, for, you know, as sentience being. Wow. So do you do you believe
0: then, um, so the spirit of that animal then, let's say that your cat is reincarnated as a human, do you believe that you will then meet that human one day or in the next life? Or
1: I like to believe that, yeah. yes. I, I mean, yeah, I do, because the way she came in our life, what, all the things that happened are so I mean, I, I, I could talk for hours, but <laughs> so I, I think that's for a reason, and probably we are meant to uh, share a few years together because she needed to be in contact with me, and me with her, because there's probably something that needs to be done in our next lives. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, probably sounds a little bit, you know, too um, out. Like woo-woo, from- like no, no. I mean,
0: uh, all right, so I'm looking at this piece again. It's the same one, the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I if I can do anything artistic, I guess it's I can use words. But I can't see something in my head and make my hand do it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wonder when you're creating something, do you think of the concept and the symbolism? Or like in your mind's eye, do you see this before it's ever actually on paper or canvas?
1: I never see it before. Wow, cool. Or I see something and then it's completely different. So very, very, very rarely I can, let's say, have an idea in my mind or a sketch that once becomes the artwork, the final artwork, it's exactly the same. Almost all, it's completely the opposite. Wow, wow. And it's uh, I used to um, um, I used to battle that fight that mm-hmm. I used to I wanted to control it to keep uh, keep it you know honest to my first idea and now I learned that actually this is just part of the artistic process because once you let's say if you if you keep it in motion if you put it in motion then there's Artistic process—it's kind of ignited, ignited. So ignited, yeah. Ignited. So it's like switch on. So it has to—it has to be free.
0: Wow, that is so cool. All right, I have a piece that I wrote down here. I uh, didn't—I didn't take a picture of it. Um, So what I'm going to do is try to do this from memory. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's incredible and honestly, like, kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Time Zone. And um, my sort of perception or uh, the feelings I get from it is uh, it almost looks Egyptian if you would see like the half human, half animal. So like the the human torso with like the falcon head or the jackal head. Um, I don't know if that's where you were going with it, but it makes me think of like ancient symbols and um, almost like... Sorcery or or, or tribe, um, and sort of the the focal point of this is one large body, right, with his arms spread out, almost Christ-like. And I was thinking of like, if I'm saying this correctly, like Z- uh, Zoroastrianism, which like influenced, but potentially maybe influenced Christianity. Um, I was wondering if you could just speak on this piece more because I think it's it's really incredible.
1: It's interesting that we we asked me if before i uh, when i if i know what i'm going to do and that's one of the few work that actually had i had a vision and i was i didn't really have to control it that much that vision manifested exactly as it was envisioned for that critical uh, time zone and probably because of all the reason you just said because it's it carries all these um, strong elements related to um, it, that being is a totem, and a totem represents mm. the um, the center of a uh, the center of a clan of a, you know people is gathering around a totem. It's and it's like when you we gather around our center in order to find the center. And for me, that vision came like it came it came from the center. Although it was a commissioned piece,
0: oh. so
1: when work is commissioned, it's kind of I, I don't really allow myself to be totally free. But that piece, that commission was so one of the best because when they asked me to to make this piece, which was for MAM Museum in Rome, I was so happy and I really wanted to do something for that museum because it's a very... It, it, now, unfortunately, it's closing down, but it's an incredible... It was an incredible institution. So it was really... Um, um, I was so enthusiastic and passionate about it that it was. I think I had all the the muse, the inspirational muse here in my studio, helping me to keep it together because it also needed to be very big. and uh, and, and 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 They asked me to to create something related to the um, the native the, nat- the native people, like yeah. the, the ancestors, the clan, and the tribes. Uh, and they gave me a few. A direction, and I say, look, I'm totally fine. I really want to do some a piece uh, related to the tribes, but don't tell me which tribe, because now I am in New York, and I have a strong connection with the Native Americans, and I, that's the tribe that I wanted to oh, cool. work around. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's perfect. Just that, then you're free to create whatever you want related to this theme. So the totem was just at the center of my being and I needed, you know, to have it almost like a human being, but which is also related to um, the head, for instance, the head is like a, it's a head, uh, it's a depiction of a Tibetan guardians The Tibetan guardians sometimes are depicted in a very fearful and feisty way in order to scare away all the obstacles. That's awesome. So then I, I, you, I was also drawing from that uh, philosophy, let's say, because it's so dear to me. And it felt like just perfect to put together these different uh, pieces. Cool. <laughs> it, it,
0: it was making me think a little bit too. Uh, there's a museum here in New York called the Rubin Museum of mm-hmm. Art. And it's amazing, it's uh, Himalayan art, so it is Tibetan. It's one of my favorite. Oh, uh, uh, Nepalese, um, Mongolian, Chinese and there are these masks, these amazing gorgeous masks Um, and totally different culture but I had been down in in Sri Lanka last year and I went to uh, a museum that also had uh, masks that were really incredible that were used in uh, like storytelling performances uh, of yesteryear, right, of, of years ago. Um, but when I look at a lot of your stuff, like we talked about Buddhism, uh, there's also like some Hindu elements. I've seen, uh, some figures like multiple limbed figures and, uh, I'm pulling up one now of three women in the forest. And, uh, while not like overtly like Hindu or Buddhist, like it, it does make me think of when you, when you see an image like this and it'll be like, Three deities in the forest, uh, not necessarily women, because there's sort of like a lot of, of genderless figures in um, art from the Eastern Hemisphere. But this makes me think of that. And we've talked about it, Tibet a bit. Uh, have you traveled at all through those countries and sort of like absorbed, you know, art from the temples in the different places?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, I never went to Tibet, ah. but I went to Ladakh, which was, con- it's considered the little Tibet and it was part of Tibet. It's like probably the northwest part of India. And I've been to Bhutan. And ah, I've been to I want to go to Bhutan. I mean, other places in India many times, um, Dharamsala, where the Dalai Lama now resides. Um, and it was... Of course, it was extremely helpful and inspiring. But for the the um, painting you are talking about right now, these three women, actually, uh, uh, those are three friends of mine, Jamila, Serena and oh. Sasha. And we were in the forest in Brazil. Oh, and cool. we used to uh, gather together once, Almost every day, spend one hour, two hour in the forest, just doing drawings. Wow. And we were just drawing one uh, with each other, and you know, copying the body and the shapes of the plants, of the of the leaves, and the light. And the light was striking inside. The sun was super strong, so we even started to feel a little bit like yeah, uh, stunned by this incredible light and the animals. So it's uh, it's almost like a a, a feeling of. Um, being there but also spaced out uh, and then you kind of connect with the goddess that is within each one of us. <laughs>
0: oh I love that.
1: Wow. Yeah, so for me that, that one was kind of a little bit like that it felt like wow we are three goddesses.
0: <laughs> Were you in Brazil to to work on your artwork or did you
1: spend an extensive uh, extensive amount of time there? Um, it's, um we have a little house in this place where it's, it's super raw, there's really nothing. And uh, when we go there, it's always fantastic because you, it, you really could try. I mean, the nature is so strong that uh, your uh, se dice el, nervous system is kind of shut down shut down and, and 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 you really feel the nature is kind of rebalancing re-energ- re-energizing your nervous system. So it takes for me at least three days to yeah to kind of readjust. and then I, I start to work, I start to draw, but also, you know, I, I enjoyed the beach and, uh-huh, and everything. of course, so it's uh, yeah, it is work, but it's completely different than what it is here. It shuts off all the stimuli,
0: right? Like it does. There is that adjustment period when you're somewhere and you're no longer plugged into Wi-Fi and bright lights and traffic and noise and thousands of people swarming around you, like there are in New York. That's really cool.
1: But I do have Wi-Fi there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I was wondering about that. Um, I'm unaware of if you have any any books or anything like that. But I would imagine, like, it would be amazing to see, like, all the art you produced in Brazil. Like, is there? Is there a way that people can see that?
1: Some of the drawing that I've done are in my uh, website. Okay. And mostly it's uh, work that I do on paper. So under art on paper, work on paper, I guess, it's uh, some, I would say 50% of the work on paper that is on my website is done on Brazil. And uh, I didn't, you know, some, it's just in my drawers that I'm not really sharing yet with uh, everybody, okay, not not for any reasons. Just that some probably I, I think it's too personal, and I think nobody likes. I just I'm just the one who likes this, and it's it happens with a lot of work that I do. It's, sometimes it sometimes it feels like that I'm uh, the only one who likes who likes it. So I don't share with anyone. and oh, then after, no! Nice. No, so after two or three years, finally by accident, I show it to someone. And tell me, oh, but this is really cool. Are you sure? I wanted to throw it away. And then I started to feel it, to see it with another pair of eyes. Yeah. But I'm sure this is something that happened to a lot of artists. It's very difficult for us to, um, sometimes to recognize what we are doing. I'm not saying looking at or judging, just recognizing it. Mm. Yeah, you know, this is, I was just thinking like this is, the type of access I have right now is
0: amazing because I don't think you always get to pick the brain of the artist uh, for their pieces. So uh, I'm really fortunate to be in this position right now. Um, there's there's two pieces. I forgot to, forgot to take a picture of the one, but maybe you'll know off the top of your head. But I can recall a picture of a woman eating an apple and it almost looked like it was in a nature setting. And then there's one here that I have called Take Me to the Strangest Place. And it's two people in an embrace, and maybe it's not a snake around them. It almost looks like a ribbon, but I'm almost interpreting this as this green snake intertwined around them. And both of those, uh, the imagery of both of those pieces makes me think of like the Adam and Eve story. And I wonder if you are also interpreting um, sort of like Christian stories in there as well.
1: You're superceptive, so that piece, <laughs> the one that you're just describing. It's one of those pieces that it was in my drawer for nine years. Whoa. Yes, I painted that one 10 years ago, and then nine years ago, I took it outside the drawer and I, and I just and I started and I saw something that I didn't see when I, that I didn't recognize when I was doing it. And I remember that I really wanted to throw it away. Thank God I kept it, and then I started to to paint things around that um, those um, the man and the woman, and they actually represents. It's not related to Adam and Eve. They represents the male and female energy in union. So it's like our wholeness, mm. yin and young. Ah, oh, cool. And the green ribbon. It's you, that's why I'm saying you're super savvy because it is a ribbon, but it's also the symbol for the snake. Yeah, okay. me, I am not, I wasn't born and I wasn't raised in Asia. I was born in Italy, I grew up in Italy. So even though I wasn't, you know, Catholic, I'm Christian because I was baptized, but I never I really, I didn't go that much to church. But we are kind of brain, a little bit brainwashed with the, you know, the story of uh, the snake, Adam and Eve, and Eve in the wrong way, not yeah. in the right way. So it's uh, it's always a mix between my upbringing and what I choose to uh, read and be inspired by, which is more related to the Asian, <clears throat> Asian philosophy. That's cool. And the, the other piece that you mentioned, the one with the woman eating the apple, mm-hmm. that's actually... Uh, it's related to a dream that I had in Brazil. And oh. th- and I'm happy that you're talking about that one because it's one of my most recent work and it's called Life, Life. Life, Life. And I had this dream that I was um, biting an apple. The dream was just this. I was biting a huge, red, juicy apple. So it's like just, you know, the bite. And then I woke up and it was so beautiful. It felt oh. like, yeah, I felt. And then I... Um, I was talking to this person that it's like a dream interpreter, very good. So we talked about this dream and, and uh, he told me about the, the meaning of, you know, Eve biting the apple, how wrongly it's been uh, perceived for so many years, but actually the real meaning is the fact that Women are in control now, so to have this in control not in an in in aggressive way but in control of our potentiality of our um, our skills and finally we are that and that goes back to what we started in our conversation, <laughs> so we are in control of this because we know that we are not misinterpreted we can do it now, and it's okay it's just uh, our power but the right the good power that's cool i like I, I like those reinterpretations
0: i've had a lot of people on eh, a lot maybe is, i i've had a number of people on uh from indonesia um and other other islamic countries and i know that a lot of people are now reinterpreting the quran uh, in a way that also uh is more inclusive of women um is less traditional. Yeah, so I think that's sort of part of like that conscious revolution we've been talking about. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's happening. It's happening in... It's happening because of... Not because it's forced. It Mm. was forced, but it was wished. It was fought, but now it's happening because it's just uh, a a very natural consequences.
0: Yeah. There's something I wanted to talk about. Um, I went to... Taipei City, Taiwan, for the first time last year. And I have two sort of points. Uh, there's like a cultural interpretation that I got, and that was that um, culturally, I hope it's fair to say that people in Taiwan are very concerned about how other people perceive them. There's sort of this collective conscience of, um, I don't want to be seen as silly or disrespectful or overly sexual, or there's, there's, all different things that people were talking to me about. So image is very important. Um, But there's also this really cool, wild, subversive underground art scene that's coming through like DJ culture. And there's this woman named Betty Apple who does these wild performances where like, her like her body is covered in like vibrators and like she makes sounds with them and it's it's wild and so it shows me that maybe that's being that's within people but is a little suppressed and like when the lights are off then we can we can sort of like let that out um, but also there are these amazing artist collectives and uh, like art parks um, I think that's like sculpture parks and things like that. And I saw that you had done a residency maybe there. Yes. Uh, and I would love to hear about your experiences in I'd Taiwan. I'd love
1: to hear about your uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I oh, know, actually, I saw on your... You, you'd you done some podcasts, right, related to Taiwan because I think I've seen some pictures. Uh, yeah. I didn't listen to to the podcast. So, yeah, now I, I put them together. The- I, I
0: did a couple there. I really struggled, though, to connect with a lot of people... Because I had just come from Indonesia and uh, people were much much more willing to sort of introduce themselves to me and, and talk to me. Mm. And I do think part of that sh- that shyness and that, that worry about sounding silly maybe, uh, because I obviously don't speak Mandarin, um, which is my problem. Like if I'm in their country, <laughs> I need to be speaking Mandarin. But it's something I, I felt in a, a couple other countries where if people weren't native English speakers, they were really uh, self-conscious about like saying the wrong thing on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, or um, not being interpreted correctly. Okay. Um, so I struggled, uh, but I'm hijacking this conversation. I really, uh, I'm really <laughs> curious to hear about uh, like your experiences there.
1: Uh, w- let me ask you only one thing. How long were you in Taipei, in Taiwan? For how long? About Only about two and a half weeks. Oh, Okay. That's strange. It should have well, it's. Um, I understand what you're saying because at the beginning for me it was like uh, a little bit difficult because everybody seems to be very, not shy, but kind of reserved, mm. discreet. And I didn't know how to get in contact with them. And so probably what you're saying, it is true. But then uh, when I, because I was working there, so at one point, we really had to connect because I, I, I related to other people in order to finish my art residency. So we started to connect. We started to know each other more personally, and they're the kindest, mm. the kindest people I ever met. So then I started to think about that's that's what kind and kindness is. Real kindness. It doesn't show immediately. It takes time because it's it's true. It's real. So it's kind of uh, precious and secret.
0: Ah, oh, that's cool.
1: That was my, and, and then I went back this year and I I could confirm this. It's really like, it's real kindness. They are the most amazing, amazing people. Um, you can really count on them. And probably they are very shy. That's true mm. because, uh, um, f- for instance, this year when we needed to collaborate with other people, uh, people and we invited people to, uh, to do a performance with me and these other Japanese artists, they were incredibly shy. Not that they didn't want to do mm-hmm. it, but all of them, they were super, super shy. So it's probably because of your saying, I don't know, that's an interesting perspective. Maybe, you know, maybe it's true. Yeah. And maybe I, I should uh,
0: say that, uh, sorry to, to, to interrupt, but I, that was mm-hmm. my experience, right? So I don't want to stereotype everyone, obviously. Um, but that was just sort of, uh, through my lens, I guess
1: um it's I don't know much about their education I mean meaning um but for me it was I, I experienced something that I never seen in any other places I don't know if you saw that uh, spiritual aspect of their culture. I was doing this art residency in a place called Jali District, which is is a small town close to Tainan. Tainan is a a big city south of Mm -hmm. Taiwan and it's the oldest city of Taiwan. It's kind of the opposite of Taipei. It's full of temples, it's not very, you know, there's not very modern architecture. Some now it's happening, but it's a very full of history. And and in Jali district, it's full of temple as well, even though this is a small town. But when you walk inside the temple, there's not just one shrine. It's full of different shrines. You see uh, Guayin, you see Buddha, you see Confucio. And I was struck. I said, wow, what, what's going on? It's like, are they? T- it's a joke. What, what's happening? What's, <laughs> what's the religion they follow? And so I started to talk to them and they told me, Oh, no, the religion here is called uh, um, um, local beliefs. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Local beliefs. And you walk into a temple, you can walk into a temple every hour because that's what I did. I used to go at night, early in the morning. Nobody's stopping you. There's always someone very kind, giving you some water or a candle to light or incense. And you can do whatever you want. There's no rules. And therefore, everybody behaves very nicely. Whoa. And that kind of eased my mind a lot. Mm. The more I was in Taiwan, the more I really relaxed. And it's uh, there's no greediness in the air. Not, I mean, of course, we are human beings. There's always greediness. But not this sense of relaxation is dictated because of, I guess, this kind of freedom. But also... I was also working with children because uh, the first residency I've done a mural outside the uh, National Children's Museum of the Art. So I I was seeing all these kids coming every day with uh, their teachers or their parents and they're very strict. So there is freedom, but behind this freedom, I, I think they receive a kind of rigid education mm. Um with love, because I always felt uh, that there was a lot of love, but again, this discreet way, not loud. Yeah. And the kids were amazing, really behaving in an amazing way. When you're,
0: when you're doing pieces uh, for, for residency in Taiwan, or here if you have a, an exhibit in Manhattan, or even in Italy, do you think about... About the audience and maybe the cultural differences of the audience, and uh, prepare pieces specifically uh, for the people in that country.
1: In this case, in Taiwan, I did in a, se- in a way that I I wanted to integrate the um, their culture with my culture. Mm. Um, so it was important to you know to add symbols that were. Important for uh, Taiwan uh, culture, and in the place where I was painting, um, they they pay a lot of respect to deers. Oh wow! Because it was an endangered species, so oh, okay. they were able to re uh, how do you say re when it when a species is not endangered anymore because they've been like reintroduced maybe. Reintroduced into some, yeah, into, yeah. So it's very nature. important to them. Uh-huh. and it was really almost uh, disappeared and that for me again was the element of the animals very strong ah. to to add into my work so it's a pleasure when i can you know work with uh with their elements integrated with with my elements but other times um i wanted to do that i wanted you know to to work with the uh, the elements of the um, the work that i'm working for They work well <laughs> and then i I don't do it. It's uh, just uh, it's, uh, I, I, because it feels like I've, I'm forcing myself, so yeah, I have to direct that. my my attitude in a, uh, another way, not thinking about what I have to do it. And then it eventually probably doesn't show any elements of the work, of the culture where I'm working.
0: That makes sense.
1: It's, I hope so. I don't
0: know, sometimes I think maybe in life we see connections where there's not, or we, 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 we look, maybe we look too far into things. That's one perception, but I also think, or that's uh, one interpretation, but I also think that sometimes, uh, I don't know, there are sort of, uh, when symbols come up in life, maybe they do mean something. Um, and this is so silly. So I don't mean to diminish your work by saying mm-hmm. this, but you recently, I believe had an exhibit and, uh, you'll know the name obviously of, of the work, but there's a person inside of a pig head. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, again, I was prepare- I was researching you and preparing questions and while I was doing so, my sister sent me these pictures of her children. So she's got three girls, so they're my three nieces.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: her youngest one was Peppa Pig. no, And she literally had no. like the Peppa Pig head no. on her head and I was like, that looks... So similar uh, <laughs> to that to that work right there. I want to see this picture. You have to. Oh, see yeah, I'll, it. I'll show you right it's after true. this. Um, but it, it, is that piece also sort of this idea of reincarnation? Is that person or is that person wearing the pig as a mask?
1: Like, are you, can can you talk about that? That piece, it's a, it's an old piece. I painted 12 years ago when it was the year of the pig and this is the year of the pig again and Ah. it's it's, I would say by accident that it's been exhibited now at pen and brush I mean by accident that I didn't force it so but see everything is connected so it's perfect yeah so and that piece is very important to me because it was the breaking point like I, I used to be illustrator for children's book for many years Whoa, okay. and when I started to paint I kept you know being very um, attached to uh, paying attention to details making the work uh, creating a narrative that was easy for everybody to read uh, like illustrations which is actually the opposite of an uh, artistic work or a I don't know. uh, No, I follow. But you understand. Okay. So when I've done that work, in that work, there's a lot of attention to details, which, you know, it's this part of me that is very strong. At the same time, I, I done something that kind of has no, doesn't make any sense. Mm. And, uh, and I was really struggling when I was doing that because I, I, a part of me really wanted to do something that had doesn't make any sense and the other part of me was so afraid of doing this and insecure and I was again I said this piece is horrible horrible oh my I'm God. going to destroy this piece and no. my, my husband pulled me really pulled me out of the house and uh, and and we came back after two hours and I was actually I went to climb so I've done a lot of physical work which kind of Transform the, you know, the neg- negativity <laughs> oh. in my cells. And when I went back home and I saw that piece again, I was so much in love. And mm. I said, oh, Michaela, thank God, finally you're done. And finally, you, you you don't care anymore about this need of being easy, readable, and, you know, to to create a narrative that is easy for everybody because it's like a children book. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, but I don't, I didn't want to be an illustrator for children's book anymore since long time so uh, it's like a you know like a turning like a breaking point yeah and um, and then also was uh, important because I I really wanted to uh, pay homage to my passion related to the symbolism in the Asian world specifically in this uh, Tibetan Buddhism because that represents uh, that's a, a mask that represents a pig or a boar and uh in the in Tibetan ritual, they use those kind of scary, kind of scary or awkward mask in order to mm-hmm. scare away the the provocation. Ah. but also there's you see the eye inside of this mask, and um, and the title of the work is "Nothing Is What It Seems," and that's exactly what it is. Nothing is what it seems because whatever we see, if I see green it's because my system, Michaela, sees green, but your system probably sees purple. And nobody knows what that exactly is. I like that.
0: I also like an interpretation of that as, I've had this conversation before with people in my life, like there's so many versions of you, like you think you're this one person, but me sitting down with you right here is not like, the person who is having like a really like uh, deep and intimate conversation with my partner last night about where our lives are at at this moment, or even uh, my friend came to stay with us this weekend. That version of me just joking around with him, uh, you know, saying off-color things to each other, like is not uh, the version of me that's sitting here now. And so that's cool that nothing is what it seems, uh, juxtaposed or or coupled actually with that. Uh, Imagery of, of the person wearing the mask is You could take that mask off Or you could take that boar head, the pig head off And you're something different uh, I think that's that's really cool <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs>
1: I, 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 I think so too in a way that That's when I say doesn't make sense It's because it's important It was important for me in, the, in that moment And still now To have something that doesn't make sense Because there's no logical uh, mm. Consequential thoughts That make sense of things So then we We, we, we we relax, like because we we have um, a parameter parameters that tells us that's, yeah. that's that thing, and the next thing is because of the first things, and then the third thing. So like consequences of, um, or, well, it's uh, so it, in that way. It, it, I had to do something that doesn't make sense because I, I like it. Because, yeah, of, cool. because of because of. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: all right. Almost at an hour, so I won't keep you too, too much longer.
1: No, no. Don't worry. It's,
0: uh, oh, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> you have a few pieces. Uh, I'm sure probably there's more, but a few pieces that I saw that have uh, words attached to them. Mm-hmm. And so I believe one was an installation that maybe you were commissioned for. Um, but you have one that I really love. <laughs> it's called love story, mm-hmm. uh, from 2015. And it's like satire or almost commentary on the fact that like, uh, there's this boy kissing this girl's hand, uh, which is a intimate moment. And there's all of these thoughts. And to me, it's like, yeah, these are the thoughts that people have nowadays. Like, if I'm doing this in public, you have here like, uh, You know, like, why am I judging? Like, what will people think if I put this on Instagram? How many followers, how many likes am I going to get? And this is especially pertinent to my life because I travel so often and I'm in these amazing spots that people are just click, click, clicking away. Uh, In February, um, my partner and I went to um, Death Valley and we drove up to this one place that's called Artist's Palette and it's called that because... The whole rock formation on the mountain is uh, the different layers of sediment I guess have eroded away and you have like pink and blue and mm. beige and it's it looks wow. like a palette. Wow! So we just sat there and we stared at it for like an hour, right? Mm. But people were driving up, taking a selfie, sitting down on a rock, taking their 10 poses and then driving on to the next thing. It's like... God, you are missing life right now, uh, and so I know I'm really rambling on some of these. But to me, that's what this piece is. It's like God, you are like all of this mind chatter that's going on. Uh, you're missing out on the fact that like you're having this really wonderful moment. Um, so for this, and then like there's uh, dynamic one here. Uh, are these words coming from you? Did you write the, mm-hmm. the words on these pieces?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Ah, uh, that's yeah. really cool. What? So I, I wrote down. Um, the I think the installation was Magic Atomo, is that correct? Or was uh, that a piece?
1: Which one you're talking about? Magico Atomo is the, the one on the wave? The one that was installed yeah. at Fulton Ferry um, how it uh, Fulton Ferry Park, the one under the Brooklyn Bridge. Is that still there? No, no, no. It was there for two months during the um, these uh, public projects uh, uh, that um, organized by La Mer. We are Project Zero. They needed. I mean, it was like they invited so many artists and public ah. figures to create their own work on this wave made of fiberglass. Ooh. And my idea was to write the story of the atom, and and. Uh the, the public project was in order to raise awareness and money for um, two causes related to the pollution in the oceans, one in uh, Southeast China mm. and the other one in... Um, South China Sea uh, maybe. Uh, I think it's in the Caribbean, somewhere in the Caribbean. I don't remember the exact location, but it's all related you know, to the um, coral reef yeah. and the mangrove. Yeah. So it was a, a very... Beautiful oh, cool. project. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I had in my notes what was written on here. So, the story of the atom, like ATOM, atom. Si,
1: si. Yeah. Yes. Ah. The molecule, the water molecular, basically. Ooh, cool. The water molecular that always, the, the water molecular, not that I, I mean, I wanted to study and see it's like, and then I, I just uh, copy exactly the, the explain the scientist explanation of the water molecular that always, um, it's forced to recreate the circle, the swing, the, the waves that's cool it's it's all you know physics i i didn't know how to repeat that using the the right words but uh it's it's magic it's really yeah. magic it's like the no if we if we force water in, a, in another direction you can force water in a, in another direction but if it let it let it be in its natural way always create the circle and goes back to the ocean so it's like this Coming to the riva to the beach to mm-hmm. the sand, and then closing down and going back, so it's and that's the water molecular it's not just the ocean Whoa. all right, so like I was thinking about that before when you
0: mentioned the uh the museum in Rome closing, so what happens to a piece like that?
1: Oh, that's interesting because uh I'm very happy no. Not because of my museum closing, because my museum was a museum that it was also house of, uh, it was like a squatting museum, hosting, creating, it was a shelter for um, refugee, mm-hmm. I mean, people coming from, mostly from North Africa. They were without a house, was, were homeless, so they started to squat. This huge uh, building, and then there was this uh, art curator, also anthropologist, called Giorgio de Finis, that had the idea of finding funds, money, to, in order to help the um, uh, the people in the in this building. From uh, I mean, it was endorsed by the um, city of Rome. Of course, legally you you can't have funds for homeless Mm. in Italy. Really? Not really, because the situation with North North Africa is kind of... I mean, it's too political. Now, Yeah. let's not go there. Let's say say that uh, the way for him to have money in order to, uh, to help the cause was to create a museum inside this building. So the endorsement came to support the arts in a place where also, you know, um, homeless could live. Wow. A very simple way to explain the situation of the museum. And it lasted for, I I think, five or six years. I don't know exactly when the the museum will close, but now this piece, Time Zone, among others from the entire collection, not the entire collection of of the MAM Museum, but some pieces are exhibited at Macro Museum, which is the Museum of Arte Contemporanea in Rome. Okay. So it's it's good because we because of this, you know, Macro Museum is kind of important, and it will have a stronger voice in order to speak about the problem with the uh, homeless.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, we we won't. I, I promise we won't get into the politics of it. But I had somebody on talking about. Um, they, they work for an NGO that does rescue missions in the Mediterranean for capsized boats from, from refugees. So I know that there's, there's, there's quite an issue right now in, in Europe on, on what to do you know, with, with human beings, with lives, yeah? yeah. Um, wow, that's really
1: interesting. It's very interesting because it's, this curator is really bridging something. Uh, I think the work that he's doing has never been done before. It's really, his work is super inclusive and we lack that in Italy a lot. Oh, in regards to um,
0: like uh, different nationalities and people in the gender spectrum and things like that? Yes, okay. but
1: also the fact that, you know, creating artistic experience with an environment that has nothing to do with the contemporary art field Okay. is effective, effective, effectively uh-huh. inclusive. I see. Wow. Cool.
0: So listen... If uh, we're gonna direct people to your, your website, um, I'll also have all your social media so people can click that and like I said, while they're listening and check it out or check you out after this conversation, do you uh, are there places right now in New York City where people can go see an exhibit?
1: Yes. Uh, thank you for asking. Right now, uh, there's a, the exhibition at Pen and Brush. Pen and Brush. Yes, which is this institution that supports female artwork and, f- I mean, female artists and female writers, visual and literature, let's say, from the female point of view, okay. since 125 years. And this year is the anniversary of 125 years. And the show is called Overlap Life Tapestry, curated by Vida Sabagi. And it's going to be uh, on view until December 14. And then there's also one thing that it's happening November 6 at Children's Museum of Manhattan. Oh, cool! They're raising money for you know underprivileged kids, but also you know to create a, a art class for underprivileged kids, but also you know to 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 create a broader, larger access to the arts to kids. So the museum is having um, an art auction, November 6th. And one of my pieces uh, is part of this, uh, we are, I think we are 80 artists. Wow. So they're doing something really great. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and then there's a show <laughs> opening sept- uh, this coming Sunday, I think it's the 9th. Yes. Okay, at Asbury Park, at Parlor Gallery, and it's called... Uh, oh, in, in New Jersey. In Asbury. New Jersey, cool. yeah. that's. In New Jersey, Asbury Park is fantastic. Uh, um, it, it's called Midnight, Midnight Sun. Awesome. So, yeah, this is, I think that's what's happening now.
0: Yeah, so like I said, please check the show notes, check that out. I get, so I'm so lucky, right, in that I get to do this. Um, And I get to meet so many inspiring and creative people, and it always seems like it always seems to hit me at the right time. We I I can't give the specifics of my work, um, just because in fairness to children and families. But we were talking a bit before I recorded, and just I'll say generally it's been very difficult lately, Uh, especially considering the types of freedoms I had abroad and then coming home, and then there's there's just the traditional things of, of, or the aspects of working a traditional job. Like i got to wake up at 5 a.m. if I'm going to get all the way up to Harlem. But things have been just really tough. So it's amazing to be in a setting like this uh, and to be even preparing for this conversation by looking at your artwork and just feeling like fulfilled and it gets my creative juices flowing. It inspires me, (laughs) it makes me think... Damn, Tim, you're lazy. Stop being lazy. Um, so it's a real privilege and a pleasure to to be able to to sit with you and to talk with you and to get to pick your brain.
1: So just want to say thank you again. Thank you, and don't worry. We all feel lazy. Always feel lazy. <laughs> we're ne- we're never. Uh we never happy like we always wants to do more and and talking to you was very inspiring for me as well really i cool. can it's it clear my mind more so oh, that's I, great i like your work i admire your work thank you so much thank appreciate it thank you so much team cheers that
0: is a wrap voyagers this was episode number 131 Many thanks to my guest, Michaela Martello. She's absolutely amazing. Go check out those exhibits and the events that she was talking about in New York City. Check out herself abroad and check out her social media and her website. She's really, really great. All right, folks, thank you as always. And as always, please, please, please take care of each other. I will catch you next time.